This podcast is brought to you by Aldis International, supplying your expert AI and digital transformation staffing needs across the US and Europe. Today, you are listening to our AI in Action series, where leading minds in AI from across the world share their story, success, and advice. AI in Action cuts through the hype and explores the true impact of artificial intelligence in our world today. You're listening to AI in Action. I'm your host, JP Valentine. Our guest today is Scott Downs. Scott is the CTO at Invisible Technologies. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. Cool. So Scott, let's start with yourself, please. Could you give us a bit of an overview of your background in technology from where you got started, some of the roles you've held along the way, take us up to today as the CTO at Invisible Technologies. Like a lot of kids who grew up in the 80s, computers were entertainment for me. I don't think I ever thought growing up when I was first programming and even building computers that this was something that would be a profession. In fact, like when I went off to college, I think programming was a side job for me and my real passions were in literature. I was an English major, music, was a musician, still am a musician. For me, I was surprised to be caught by the bug. And I think that the enthusiasm of the dot-com era really drove my passions in the direction of software engineering. What I found was that as someone who had worked I kind of like bounced around in different careers in my 20s, working as a designer, as a writer, that emergence of web technology meant this beautiful kind of fusion. I've always been resistant to be put in any particular box. I loved the idea that here's this opportunity for me to take a combination of programming and understanding computer networks and understanding the way people work and the way that people communicate, solving business problems and solving it with design. Software development just was this magical combination of those things. So that's, that's kind of how I got into the space. And then over the last 15, 20 years, I found my real home in the software world and in, in startups. I really enjoyed the, the energy and enthusiasm of that kind of a space. And what kind of led me to this point in my career, I spent almost a decade working with building out a SaaS platform and working my way up through that company from being the guy with the headphones on writing code and kind of heads down, trying to figure out how to build the platform to ending up leading large teams in that kind of a space. That was sort of my education in how to build a large scalable platform. That was a SaaS platform for mobile messaging. And since then, I was the CTO of a startup called Bellhops that was trying to bring the, the convenience and a kind of a, a modern approach to residential moving. We built a platform that enabled to, to get on our platform, apply for a job and be great movers through an iPhone app. And our entire supply, all of our movers were college students. So we had this interesting kind of novel business model of future doctors, lawyers, and CEOs, like enthusiastic kids will be helping to do your move. So that, that was my first chance to build a marketplace platform that where the platform actually did the management in some ways of the workforce. So those are the two pillars or foundational pieces of my professional career is like thinking of building large scale messaging, traditional enterprise SaaS platforms, and also thinking about building marketplace platforms that enable, enable you to scale up and provide really high quality for all sorts of different kind of consumer use cases in that case. That's what brings me to invisible and where I am now. 
Yeah, thank you for that. It's great to learn about the full cycle of your journey and starting as an engineer and coder, you can have an appreciation of what those people do, but then also successfully making the transition into people management and large scale leadership, which as you touched on, brings us to where you are now. So let's talk about invisible technologies. Who are invisible? What do you do? What's the mission of the organization? Part of the reason why I tell my story that way is because I think that invisible fell into my life as an opportunity and sort of represents this kind of beautiful cross between a SaaS platform and a marketplace platform. But let me tell you what our benefit is for our clients before talking about like the inside baseball view. What we do as a company is present a model that's, we see ourselves as an alternative to, to BPOs and traditional outsourcing and an alternative to, to RPA platforms. Okay. That's a lot of acronyms. Let me describe what we really do. We help companies to build and encode processes into our platform so that we can execute them at really large scale. And inevitably, when you solve problems of accomplishing scalable business processes, there's a mapping step where you think like, what, what is this thing that we're actually doing? There's some examples of large scale processes that we did during the early COVID era, where we were working with on-demand delivery companies. And their big problem at that moment was taking they had massive demand for their services. Obviously, everybody's huddled in their homes, ordering from their iPhones some dinner. But they had the problem of figuring out how to get all this catalog information, like how to build menus, as an example, from hundreds of thousands of restaurants. It's a classic example of a process where there's a human component. You could throw this problem into a massively scaled sort of human problem of let's hire tons of people and have them all work at reading and transcribing menus. You could also approach it from a pure technology approach. What if we had OCR systems that looked at menus and web scrapers that transcribed data off the web and tried to encode that into a format that can be consumed by these on-demand delivery system, uh, companies' platforms. So what our kind of novel offering is that by putting the process, we're able to encode a combination, an orchestrated combination of human-driven processes and machine-driven processes. So if the best way it turns out to solve a particular problem is to have some pieces that are driven by dozens or even hundreds of, we call agents, our workforce, and a combination of that plus some amount, the right amount, hopefully, of automations and custom technology integrations, we put together this in the form of a process. So that process is visible on a canvas in our platform. It's something we can tweak and change over time. And because we've built it into the platform, it's executed the same way every time. So that just enables us to solve problems at massive scale. And the thing that sometimes we struggle with when we talk about the capabilities of our platform is we're really stubbornly horizontal. So a lot of companies will build solutions that are targeted to a particular business function. Say we sell to corporate marketing departments or companies of a certain size, or companies in a certain vertical. Oh, we only sell to insurance. We've thought from the start that kind of the problem of, of the modern knowledge worker is the ability to attain scale around an idea. So if I have this wonderful idea, how do I figure out a way to grow rapidly and efficiently through technology? There, there are all sorts of decision points and forks in the road where companies and individuals try to build these kind of business, solve these kind of business problems. 
have difficult decision points. Should I outsource this particular task and build a new kind of office or new relationship with a third party that's going to provide these resources for us? Should I embark on a complex, risky, lengthy technology project that might fail? So we take all that risk away. We say, you know what? We're going to take this problem. We're going to work on it together. We're going to encode it into our platform and we can execute it with the right blend. As it turns out for your problem, whatever the right way to dial in the solution is, we're going to have the right amount of people, right amount of automation, and we'll change it over time to meet your needs. Thank you for that overview. Super helpful to, to set the stage and give some insight into what you're doing for your customers. We can touch on some project examples and impact your customers in a moment, but I want to jump straight into the platform itself and the technology behind the scenes. A lot of what you referred to there overlaps or would fall within, within the banner of AI, whether it be automation, data engineering, analytics, and machine learning. And then also there's a, there's something that you guys refer to in invisible tech as data trainers. Can you describe the overall data team, the technology at play and aspects of AI at use at invisible tech? Again, the way that I set that up tells the story. You're right to kind of jump to where does this point when you run a process at significant scale and you have dozens or hundreds or even thousands of agents working on a problem and they're working on it on your platform. You can observe the behavior that's required to, to reach the desired. So one of the key decision points, one of those difficult forks in the road for every company is when to invest in automation solutions, ML solutions to attack the problem. And the key is that you can't really start there effectively in a lot of cases. There's, especially if the process is not like have deep historical roots. A lot of cases, certainly our customers are some of the fastest growing, most innovative companies in the world. And they're solving problems that have never been solved before. As an example, on-demand delivery companies were experiencing a moment in March and April of 2020 that just was unprecedented for them, for us, for the industry. There's so many decision points that are risky for our clients in terms of, do I want to, to take on a custom technology implementation to solve a problem, like trying to figure out the right moment for concrete. You need to have a clear pattern established. You need to know what the problem is. You have to have clear knowledge of the problem, a clear discovery process, and some experience executing before you're ready to pour concrete. And our platform makes it super flexible to switch over processes that have been handled by manual effort. We are recording all the behavior that led to build automations either around labor displacement. What did we do in a manual way? Let's take those exact same steps and execute them in an automated way, but also to apply our own insight and figure out shortcuts and optimizations where we apply automations or integrations with third-party platforms or even ML solutions that, that attack those specific problem spaces where we can create new efficiency. I think a lot of people think of processes as documents, like a stack of papers or, or a Google doc or a Word doc that describes a set of procedures to follow. For us, because processes are encoded into our platform, they're the core model, is that we think in a different way about this. There's no problem with enforcing compliance that everyone follows the process in the same way. It's literally guardrailed by our platform. And when there are opportunities to optimize, it's very crisp and clear to see 
that we can take these three steps out, take those blocks off the canvas and we'll replace them with, with automations that solve the exact same problem that have the same inputs and outputs. We can even test and see is this better or worse. And we do this in a way that takes the risk off of the client. So our clients don't have to worry about whether this is the right moment to optimize. They also pay for the outcome. A lot of companies that are bringing in labor solutions are charging hourly rates rather than charging based on results. So for us, that creates an aligned incentive. So when you think about best way to solve a problem, we're in the, we're in the same boat with our clients. We're trying to figure out the best way to solve the problem too. We're not trying to drive up our billable hours. We're just trying to deliver the highest quality result, highest volume possible. And what that means is that we have aligned incentives to create automations at the right time, which saves us money and allows us to even charge less for our clients. You are listening to the Aldis Podcast. When you're looking to scale your team, or if you are interested in showcasing your company in a future episode, reach out today. Or if you're in the market for a new role, visit our website to view open positions, www.aldis.com. I want to spend a bit more time talking about your customers because you gave so many good examples there, and then we can move on to your own team. Given invisible tech, platform is so broad reaching and can cover multiple industries and company sizes. It's hard to zone in on any one example, but if you could, is there a recent project or a recent customer experience that demonstrate that the level of impact that Invisible Tech has had and any story you could share with us that would help us visualize just how impactful work has been for a particular customer? Absolutely. I think if you asked me a year ago or two years ago, we saw a lot of growth from on-demand delivery. What we're seeing right now is the enthusiasm around machine learning. It reminds me a lot of the early days of the internet. We're seeing like these massively impactful new technologies. It seems like there's some new news every week and everyone's trying to figure out how to rationalize and understand the impact that these things can have on their business. But as you were alluding to, there's pretty high failure rate. Failure is maybe too harsh of a word. There's a lot of experimentation in the space that I think is natural at this point in progression. I know there, were, there was a moment, certainly in the early days of the internet, where companies were creating websites without really an awareness of what impact it would have on their business. It just was now it's the cool thing to do. It's the required thing to do. And you hear these, in some cases, scary statistics about how you hear about how maybe 50% of trained models never go to production, MLs relevance and sometimes challenged for that. What we found is that when, when clients are looking to, to use machine learning technology to solve real problems in their business, the key is the context. I think it's natural. Again, I don't want to be too critical of the concept of experimentation. It's natural at this phase in machine learning's development for people to be looking for use cases to hear, huh, GPT-3 sure does seem powerful. Dolly blows my mind. Is there some way for these kind of like what OpenAI is doing is amazing for us, natural for us to try to figure out ways for that to address problems in our business, which is sometimes implementation first thinking, which is likely to cause these sort of gaps between, are we really solving a business problem? But one of the spaces that we've found that we fit into quite nicely is helping to train large scale models. One of the things that we found as a really rich space for us is helping to train models. When you think about a lot of the work involved in, in making ML useful for your business or your particular problem space, there's a lot of cleaning and preparing data. 
in order to, in order to train your models. And in a lot of cases that's underappreciated as a key factor for success. And that's something that in a lot of cases requires human manual effort. And guess what? That's one of the things that we're really good at systematic application of human effort. We think of our platform sometimes as an API to, to human effort. And if you have a problem space where you need to say, collect a lot of data that would be useful to train your model, you may have a little bit of kind of a conflict between where your core competencies are. Where's your core expertise? Have you hired folks who are ML engineers or scientists who are thinking about the problem space, or have you hired people who know how to, to arrange and orchestrate a large scale labor effort? to source the data that's required to train those models. So that's just become a really rich space for us over the last year, high demand. And I think that it's really not that different to pre-ML automation opportunities or investment in technology. It's such a risky, scary moment for our clients, for companies everywhere, right? You're at that moment of trying to decide whether you want to make a significant investment and you need, you want guidance, you want support, you want security. You don't want to be the guy who launched a project that fails. And for us, it's not just that we have experience with ML. It's not just that we have experience training large-scale models. It's also that we have experience running projects successfully through the lens of the process, where we think, what is the, what are the inputs or the outputs? How is this structured in a formal way? How do we define success? We're pretty ruthless about it. We are in some ways. We like to think we're as aggressive or more aggressive about chasing client KPIs than our clients themselves. We want our clients to feel like we're right there with them. We really are because we measure our success in the same way that it, those are our key metrics for success are the client KPIs matter. And that kind of strong alignment avoids this sort of, again, I don't want to be too critical of it, but we're not in the experimentation game. We're in the game of taking these ideas, making sure they're rock solid, reliable and executed at scale. And we don't like to lose. Like we are guaranteeing success for our Scott, I want to spend a bit of time now talking about the team that you oversee and the, the team you've assembled at Invisible Tech. So there's obviously a lot of the positions are more traditional, your data engineers, data scientists, but there's also some unique positions, one of which I referenced earlier, the advanced AI data trainers and data trainers as a whole. Can you describe the current team that you've got there, how many people are involved, various positions, and how you go about bringing it all together to deliver on any of the projects that you're working on at a particular time. Absolutely. So our core team of engineers and product managers and designers, core technology team is only about 50 people. I don't, I don't think that we could achieve the, the scale of solutions that we provided if, if that were the entire story, if we just had a few dozen folks in key roles who are working on client problems. That core team is actually responsible for our platform. And the agent workforce is thousands of folks. And I think one of the things that can be a misconception about the nature of our work, I think people, sometimes the word outsourcing has strong connotations based on people's prior experience. For us, we like to share how awesome our agent workforce is how they solve really massive problems and how they do really high judgment work. So it's very easy for people to think based on maybe past history, that purpose of using like a global remote workforce is purely to reduce costs. 
Scott, thank you so much for coming on today and talking to us. It was great to learn about your own journey from programmer, designer, engineer to CTO and amazing insight into the work you're doing at Invisible Tech. The focus on outcomes and solution and value is something that really stands out. And for engineers and data scientists who want to have an impact, that's music to their ears. So we appreciate you sharing your story, talking to us about Invisible, and we wish you, the team, and everyone there the best in the months and years to come. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Aldis Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any Android podcast of choice. You can also head over to our website, www.aldis.com, to listen to more podcasts, view our open roles, and stay up to date with industry news. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more great episodes coming very soon.